Hello, 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 moguls. Welcome to Mahogany's, the movie business podcast for storytellers and film lovers who enjoy making money because success means everything, no matter whom you have to share it with. I'm your narrator, writer, and researcher, Dr. Robin J. Hayes. To uncover some of the secrets to hit making in Hollywood, in this episode, I will speak facts and spill all of the matcha tea about this hot labor summer, which finds the unions for TV and film writers and actors on strike and marching on picket lines at major studios throughout Los Angeles and New York City. In addition to offering two takeaways about this labor action, I'll discuss artificial intelligence, or AI, and its potential impact on the future representation of mahogany's Black women characters, in film. I'll conclude with where strike-affected workers, including actors and writers, can find funds for expenses like groceries and rent. Full disclosure, I've been a member of the WGA or Writers Guild of America since 2022. For the first time in over 60 years, both the WGA and the Actors Union, SAG-AFTRA, are simultaneously on strike because the AMPTP, Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents the major studios, will not engage in discussions around two key issues, the use of AI and the implementation of living wages for work that appears on streaming services. Being relatively new to the Hollywood game, prior to the strike, I was still very much in the afterglow of breaking into showbiz. Having moved to LA from New York after years in under-resourced nonprofit academia, I was too busy literally sipping $20 smoothies at Erewhon and surfing in Malibu to feel stressed about the lack of these magic residuals that my mentors kept talking about. The entertainment industry at least holds the promise of high returns, whereas in the ivory tower, increasingly the stairway to advancement professionally and financially has closed unless you want to shatter your soul with a life in administration. It would have shattered my soul anyway. Like many everyday moviegoers, I was just unclear what all the complaining and union fuss was about. Then I began digging into this whole AI conversation. Then I began digging into this whole AI conversation. I love writing, but the fact is I have a lot of ideas. If there was a tool I could use to output high quality scripts more quickly, what's the harm? The Pacific Palisades and Silver Lake streets were crackling with chatter about this new chat GPT and other programs. So I gave it a go. And wow, the horror. My films are for the most part women-driven, BIPOC-focused, and LGBTQ-inclusive. After nearly two dozen experiments with using AI to craft synopses, the first five pages of screenplays, character descriptions, any of the most basic elements of script development a professional screenwriter knows how to do easily, 
It's become clear to me that generative AI is wholly insufficient and culturally incompetent. In terms of the texted outputs, it can be gone with the wind offensive. And in terms of images, uh, we're talking blackface era quality. There is no first draft or even outline of something like the Barbie movie or Parasite or Megan currently coming from that artificially intelligent direction. In fact, in the hands of assistants or studio executives who, and I'm going to say this with love, I love y'all, no shade, but in the hands of assistants or studio executives who for the most part are from a, a very homogeneous Palo Alto kind of demographic, AI as a script writing tool is poised to create work that's instantly cancelable and eviscerates the reputations and multi-million dollar investments of major studios. Part of what shut down the negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP is the fact that studios currently insist on being able to use the likenesses and voices of background actors forever after they're paid for just one job. The exploitative potential of this is easy to discern. You show up as a background actor for one day's work on Oppenheimer, and then you leave the business only to discover in a few years you can't find any work in any industry because your likeness has been sold to an adult video company that specializes in bestiality. Or let's say you stay in show business and become Lakeith Stanfield famous. Then your opportunities are squashed because a streamer is putting out a new action film every week with your AI-generated avatar. But it's all supposed to be Gucci because there was that one time you worked as a background actor? Mm, no, that's a digital form of slavery. In addition, AMPTP requested access to the performances of dozens of actors I think we can guess who they are, to train artificial intelligence apps. This would allow studios to use CGI or computer-generated images to create work based on these actors' art in the future. Through their demands, AMPTP representatives have revealed that the studio's vision for film and TV is one in which most or all work will be created by machines. All digital simulation, all of the time. What I find confusing about this vision is that it is not at all likely to be profitable. Audiences are already rejecting films that put visual effects before a story. We've seen the sequel fatigue around franchises and multiverses with five or more installments. Several major CGI-dependent works have failed to resonate with audiences since theaters reopened after quarantine. I saw an AI proponent on the talk show circuit argue that with artificial intelligence, will you like Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings doesn't have to end. But Tolkien fans made it pretty clear when Amazon's Lord of the Rings series came out recently that actually they're, they're good for classics to end. They want classics to remain classics as they remember not have them be resuscitated in perpetuity. In contrast, 
originals using mostly practical effects like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Barbie have hit big with audiences worldwide. Trend analyzers have noted that generations raised in the social media age increasingly value authenticity and realness. So how is banking on fake not a disastrous business plan? Moguls, my award-winning documentary, Black and Cuba, follows street-smart Ivy League students as they adventure to hip-hop performances and block parties on the enigmatic island. Black and Cuba is now streaming on Amazon's Prime Video. My critically acclaimed history book, Love for Liberation, follows activists including Malcolm X, Kathleen Cleaver, and Stokely Carmichael as they journey through the continent in bond with revolutionaries fighting colonialism. Love for Liberation is available wherever books are sold. The regressive nature of AI or artificial intelligence means it will create films that don't have sufficient cultural inclusion to draw in contemporary global audiences. AI apps simply regurgitate information that they've been fed by humans, either through a programmed algorithm or databases. For example, Google, which uses AI, is simply a searchable index of websites. If the information is not published online, Google can't find it for you. It's this distinction between who has the resources to have their perspectives, art forms, histories, archived in the first place, and then digitized. That's part of what accounts for the digital divide and how that falls along racial, economic, and ethnic lines. According to actor Justine Bateman, who in addition to starring in the classic sitcom Family Ties, is a coder with a computer science degree, quote, the really kind of harsh reality of AI is in the entertainment business, it's trained on all of our past work, all of our scripts, our films, all these actors' performances, all of this. So it's a regurgitation. It's an amalgamation. You give it a task and it spits out some new product based on all our past work. According to Bateman, the copyright infringement potential of AI is, quote, massive, the size of which we've never seen before, end quote. Films generated using AI will have to rely solely on existing scripts and previously produced movies that it acquires the rights to, to create allegedly new ideas. The problem is filmmaking is arguably the most exclusionary art form because it's the most expensive and its production is mostly consolidated in one town among just seven different conglomerates, Disney, Amazon, Apple, Sony, Netflix, Warner Brothers, and Paramount. Seven families. Very Godfather. 
Since 1896, when the first films were exhibited in theaters, movies have primarily told stories about straight, affluent white men and contained harrowingly discriminatory depictions of women, BIPOC cultures, disabled folks, and LGBTQ communities. If the industry were to rely mostly on AI for future films, the images of historically underrepresented groups will be frozen, more or less to basically now, 2023. Just when cinema has barely begun to capture the complexity of human experiences with race, gender, ethnicity, sexuality, and physical ability on screen. When filmmakers are just learning how to realize stories that transgress borders and unite audiences across difference. When many of our children have just begun to feel what it means to be seen. The experiments I've done with AI show me that its representations of Black women characters or mahoganies are especially limited and frightening. I found that simple requests for images, for example, of Black women surfing or protagonists who were activist Angela Davis types, yielded depictions not of human beings, but of demonic and animalistic creatures. Sometimes with three arms, sometimes with chimpanzee-like faces. BuzzFeed recently reported that when asked to generate an image of a Sudanese Barbie, an app came up with a young woman toting an AK-47. Moguls, I am not exaggerating. When it comes to text, it's not any better. When I prompted AI for script pages about Black women heroes, I received a few pages of juvenile, culturally insensitive tales with white saviors. When audiences of all backgrounds are responding to The Woman King, The Little Mermaid, and Wakanda Forever, films with empowered Black women heroines that are complex, this proposed dependence on artificial intelligence just doesn't make dollars or common sense. Despite all the labor management shade that's common during a strike, the fact is these studios are run by astute business people. I find their eagerness to rely on AI as a business strategy in the face of its dour profitability prospects quite puzzling. So here's takeaway number one. There may be motivations to this AI craze that have not yet been revealed, but its catastrophic potential for underrepresented writers, actors, and audiences is crystal clear. Bateman and others have reported that screenwriters, major movie stars, and even book authors are being propositioned and even pressured to sell rights to their work for AI. I couldn't help but wonder, who might be offering major Hollywood studios and publishing companies truckloads of coin to feed and train the AI monster? Might a desire to bring back the rampant patriarchy and racism of Harvey Weinstein's Hollywood drive the AI fandom of some AMPTP members? Some fans 
frustrated by the lack of new television episodes and movies, have characterized actors and writers as spoiled, tantrum-throwing Hollywood types because we're on strike. Some of my union siblings have clapped back with facts about how the artist struggle is real, and most of us are living from occasional feasts to usual famine, even if we succeed in booking work on hit projects that earn millions of dollars for studios. In this debate, there's something very important about work that gets lost. Wage work is meant to create a livelihood or a means to secure what one needs to live, period. As laborers of any kind, blue collar, white collar, and no collar, we've been bamboozled into believing that we should be grateful for any wages we receive rather than entitled to earn a portion of the value that our work creates. We feel we have to be impoverished to ask for a higher wage rather than entitled to live well because our work contributes to our culture and society. Wage work is not volunteering for charity. Wage work enhances the profitability and function of an entity, even in the nonprofit sector. And in the words of my grandfather, a longtime member of the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, which is how my family accessed health care, home ownership, and elder services. You need money for everything. Everything, because we live in a country with no meaningful social safety net. It's clear that folks in management positions in every sector understand this for themselves because they all earn healthy living wages. At film studios, from CEO down to coordinator, direct deposits are dropping bi-weekly, along with health benefits, pet insurance, paid vacation, stock options, and 401k contributions. And you know what? I'm not mad at it. However, the idea that creative workers don't deserve the same life chances is cruel and absurd. Having enough money for secure housing, doctor visits, nutritious food, fitness, leisure, and education will prolong your life. All work is valuable. Artists deserve to make it to advanced age just as much as anyone else. As more and more unions were busted in the latter half of the 20th century, and therefore wages failed to keep up with inflation, we became inundated with the idea that anything but a job was supposed to pay for us to live. The lottery, a rich partner, a co-parent, our actual parents, a scam, two side hustles. No, back in the day, a job would do it, not just for one person, but for an entire family. Because back then, a job was a livelihood. And that leads me to takeaway number two. Moguls, accept the help. Asking for help is not only okay, it's essential to our survival in this fight and expected by the folks who are offering assistance. I've noticed that some of my friends impacted by the strike who are women, BIPOC, 
and or LGBTQ are sheepish about availing themselves of the help being offered to SAG-AFTRA and WGA members. Don't be! And don't wait until things get dire before you reach out. A studio executive was quoted in Deadline, an industry blog, stating that the AMPTP strategy is to, quote, allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses, end quote. Please don't let foolishness about being ashamed to ask for help let people like that soulless fool win. Women in Film has compiled a website with a list of available resources for strike-affected folks. Funds to help with groceries, housing, and other survival expenses are being offered by organizations that support our sustainable vision for the future of the industry. The link is at womeninfilm.org. They also have a helpline. That's a phone number, children. It's the first app. They have the helpline, which is 1-855-WIFLINE. It's open Thursdays from 9.30 to 4.30 Pacific time. I've also included the link and the helpline number in this episode's description. The last time that Hollywood actors and writers stood together on the picket line was 1960 at the dawn of broadcast television. The labor action was long and bitter, but ultimately successful as it enabled actors and writers to enjoy their fair share of the billions of dollars of revenue they helped to create during the following six decades. Streaming is in a similar evolutionary stage. We may be in for a long and difficult fight. However, we can see from history that by standing for our own value, we help the entire industry remain prosperous. Si se puede, venceremos. Yes, it can be done. We will win. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mahogany's. I'm your narrator, writer, and researcher, Dr. Robin J. Hayes. Please follow and share this podcast to make it easier for storytellers and film lovers to find it, as well as to amplify the voices of queer and BIPOC women podcasters like me. On Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest at mahogany's.podcast, I'd love to hear your suggestions about what films you want me to dive into. Moguls, until next time, remember, the men love you, the women and non-binary folk love you, and success means everything, no matter whom you have to share it with. Among the films mentioned this episode, I highly recommend Barbie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Woman King, The Little Mermaid, Megan, Parasite, Wakanda Forever. Mahogany's, a Robin J. Hayes podcast, is produced by Ruth Media.